Hello and welcome to Artful Loving. In this next episode, we are going to continue our conversation about trauma in relationships as a part two. And in this episode, we're going to focus more on attachment theory and and what that means and how we can learn about our own attachment styles in relationship. Very, very important and hopefully very useful uh, information for you. Welcome to Artful Loving, where together we master the world of love, sex and relationships. Brought to you by me, Nick Tovey. Hi, I'm Nick Tovey, relationships and intimacy counsellor, coach, educator and author of the book The Revolutionary Man. Uh, If you're new to the channel, please go ahead, subscribe, click the notification bell so you get notified when new episodes come your way. Uh, If you want to learn a little bit more about myself and my work, you can go and visit my website nicktovey.com. And please stick around. I really rely and and want engagement from from you in order to to give this uh, this content, this information, this conversation uh, the traction that it deserves. Uh, more people are going to be able to see this information the more you interact with the channel, with the video. So go ahead, like share it with your friends, subscribe, all of these little ways in which you can participate in this conversation. Um, help this video show up in people's screens. So please uh, do it. Give me your contribution. I'd love that. And of course, questions, comments. Please put all of your questions, comments uh, in the comments below. And if there's any particular subjects that you want me to tease apart to offer my perspective on, then please let me know. I'd love to uh, hear about it. So in the last episode, I talked a bit more broadly about uh, trauma and how that plays out in relationships. And I, and I touched on uh, the, the more specific subject, which I'm going to dive into a little bit deeper today, of attachment theory and, and how much that plays a part, how important it is when we're talking about intimate relationships. There's so much for us in this to understand about ourselves, to understand about our partner and to understand about our particular relationship dynamic so we can just have some compassion, some understanding for ourselves, for each other and then we can relate in a way that that takes all of those things into account, that recognizes all of the ways in which we get triggered or we respond to certain situations and how we can be with each other in a much more fulfilling uh, and, and, and useful way um, and of course loving way. So as psychological theories go, attachment theory is has been around a while. It's been around since the 50s. Uh, John Bowlby um, really brought attachment theory into the world of psychology and recognized different ways in which attachment bonds were created and severed and how children particularly would respond to these different experiences in early childhood. Um, but it's become much more popular 
popular in recent years, in, in the last 10 years or so. It's become such a, a, a really popular uh, field of study, field of interest, uh, and very much in the, the popular culture, popular psychology um, discourse, which is a really good thing because I think it gives us a really beautiful understanding, as I was saying, of ourselves and of each other. Um, when we're talking about trauma, as I was discussing in last episode, it exists on a spectrum. So when we're talking about the big experiences of trauma, like uh, abuse, uh, violence, sexual abuse, any things like that, wartime experiences, car crashes, anything like that, really big experiences, yeah? Um, sometimes on the other end of the spectrum, when we're talking about attachment uh, and, and dis disruptions to a attachment, they can be much more subtle and less easy to, 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 to see. Often they happen to us before we've created conscious memory. Yeah, so it sits within our nervous system, it sits within the body, but we don't have a conscious memory of what happened in order to cause that particular attachment uh, disruption. So let's dive into an, uh, attachment and define it a little clearer uh, so we can, we can start to understand it a little more. So attachment essentially is the bond that a, an infant creates with their early childhood experiences, their caregivers, the people that are there to look after them, to nurture them, to care for them. Of course, that can be parents, but sometimes not. And of course, that can uh, have, a, have a really big, you know, that conversation can have a really big uh, impact on a child's uh, attachment uh, relationship. But ultimately, the optimal uh, attachment experience that a, that a child can, ex, uh, can have and can experience is what we call secure attachment. And that happens when there's a beautiful, healthy bond between infant and parent. And this is when there's physical closeness, food is available when the child needs it, uh, there's a there's a there's affection. There's there's uh, physical you know the physical in interaction is very important in order to create a, a secure attachment needs. Ultimately, what that infant needs at that particular point of time is 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 connection with a human being who's going to take care of it. That infant is utterly dependent on an adult to take care of it and of course a mother to take care of it because the mother is the one that's going to provide food. Um, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't create good healthy attachment bonds with fathers also, with male caregivers also. Um, it just means that the, 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 the need for nourishment isn't necessarily uh, looked for from a father, yeah? Um, but of course, that's, that's only one aspect of, of good, healthy attachment. Uh, so if those people that are there in order and, and to, there to care for this infant, if they're there, they're on hand, they're available, uh, the, the interaction between parent and child is loving, is affectionate, is, is caring, is responding to the child's needs as they arise, um, and, and is, is, is basically present, is available. Um, that is going to give that child a, what we call a secure attachment system. So they grow up and develop 
very naturally, very healthily, and recognize that they're okay, they're safe. There's a, the needs that they have are available to them. That is gonna create for that child a good, healthy understanding of the world around them and a good, healthy understanding of them and their worth of love, connection, uh, affection, yeah? And of course, that is a, unfortunately, not everybody, yeah? They reckon 50% of the population are, have a secure attachment uh, experience as, a, as an infant. Um, it, it, it's, you know, these, these numbers uh, are, are interesting and uh, um, I'm wonder, I often wonder how they come about, these numbers, yeah? So when we're talking about psychological testing, they're very much reliant on observation and, and of course, uh, information that's given on, um, on, on, on questionnaires and such. So that relies on a person to be f truly honest and to know exactly what they're uh, what they're speaking of. Um, so it's a difficult thing to, to measure with 100% accuracy. So anyway, if we just take those numbers as guides, I think it's important, it's useful. Um, if we don't have a secure attachment, let's say, for example, a uh, parent isn't responsive to, to certain cues from the infant that tell the parent that I need something, I need food, I need changing, I need affection, I need a cuddle, whatever it is. Um, but my needs aren't being met by the person who should be meeting those needs. This is what is gonna create what we call an attachment disruption in that infant. And dependent on, on the experience that the infant has, um, it's gonna create one of three different attachment styles. So the first one being uh, anxious ambivalent. So an anxious, ambivalent infant is gonna experience the, have the experience where needs just aren't being met. When, um, when I'm in, uh, when I'm crying, when I need something, when I need feeding, I need uh, some sort of connection, some sort of uh, bond creation uh, with my parents. Maybe I'm crying uh, and I'm trying to get my needs uh, met by letting you know that I'm gonna make all of this noise, yeah? If those needs aren't met, that child's gonna start to understand in the, in the capacity that it can that parents aren't reliable, that the adults in the world aren't reliable, so I need to sort of just wait around and sort, look after myself, soothe myself, take care of myself in some ways, yeah? Sometimes that child's gonna create uh, a, a, an adaptation to their behavior in order to get their needs met. So maybe we don't cry in order to get our needs met. Maybe, we, maybe I smile and, and uh, appear happy to mum, and when, when I do that, she responds to me in a much better way, or dad. Um, my needs get met much better in those circumstances, yeah? So this is what we call the, uh, an, an adaptation, a change in which occurs because early childhood attachment needs aren't being met, yeah? So this is what then becomes ambivalent uh, attachment style. Um, we'll talk about how these then show up later in adult relationships in a little while. The next attachment style is what we call anxious avoidant. And so the avoidant infant 
has potentially had the experience where parents are, are are maybe maybe angry may feel unsafe to us so there's a if i cry if i move in certain ways if i do certain things then i'm going to get met by a reaction which is potentially angry aggressive uh, and which causes a fear response in me yeah so it's like ooh if i express myself in this way then what i'm going to be met with is aggression is unsafety so this is going to teach me that okay let's not do that let's stuff down my feelings let's pull away from people and create this experience where i don't need anybody to take care of me so this is the avoidant uh, adaptation where it's like okay people are unsafe uh, love is unsafe so I'm not going to create that. I'm going to avoid creating that uh, that need, that dependency on the people around me. So that's the anxious avoidant experience. The next attachment style we want to talk about is the anxious disorganized. So this is less common than the avoidant and the ambivalent, but it, it still plays a big part. And I think it's important to understand. So this is when the infants, uh, the caregivers in, in the infant's life are unreliable. They're ch in easily changeable. So sometimes they're there and they're available to me and they're nice, they feel safe. And sometimes, bang, sometimes some, something stirs them up and they're, they're, they're aggressive, they're unsafe, uh, potentially abusive, potentially neglectful. Um, so this gives the infant a totally disorganized understanding of of what what this person is and how we interact with them because I don't know what to do because I never know what the reaction is going to be. So this creates this hyper vigilant sense of, of of anxiety that the child just doesn't know whether he's coming or going, doesn't know what he's coming home to when he's a, 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 an older inf uh, child, uh, doesn't know how mum or dad is going to be meeting them, What's, what are we going to be in? So there's this hypervigilance, this high anxiety, this, this how can I adjust and adapt in order to get my needs met in the best and safest way possible. Very, very difficult for that infant to be with. And of course, then as the person grows up, this is what we start to see in, in, in relationships, in intimate relationships. So let's talk about how these attachment styles then start to, uh, how they carry on, how they stay with us throughout our life and how they then show up in intimate relationship. Of course, as I always say, intimate relationship is the best arena for personal growth because we are going to be reflected back all of our anxieties, all of our insecurities, all of our wounding by this person that is our perfect mirror. And, and so if we're willing to see what we need to see, then it's great. It's a perfect arena for personal growth. It's also the perfect arena for, uh, <laughs> for, for avoiding those parts of us that we don't want to see if you know so if if we don't want to do the work if we don't want to understand ourselves, if it scares the bejesus out of us and and it's like no way I'm not going there then we're going to avoid intimate relationship yeah so this is often uh, something that we see in, in all sorts of relationships where um, something gets something gets triggered, something rears its head in the relationship, and it's just too hard to face. So the avoidant 
uh, adaptation, the anxious avoidant adaptation, is going to run from that. When it gets a little bit too hard and a little bit close to the bone, um, this is one way in which the anxious avoidant uh, person is going gonna, is gonna to run from that. He's going to run from relationship. He's going to shut down, close the, close the, the barriers, um, and, and detach. Yeah. So another way, and this is important to, to look at, often, often an anxious avoidant is very attracted to an anxious um, ambivalent. Yeah, because the anxious ambivalent, something that they like to do is please. They want to please the other person. They want to make it right for them. Yeah, they so they're always trying to adjust themselves and adjust their behavior to please the other person, to get love, to get affection, to get connection. Yeah, and the anxious avoidant uh, is often a little bit. Uh, um, resistant to that sometimes, um, a little bit uh, aloof. Um, sometimes they will uh, try to pull away when the anxious um, ambivalent gets a little close. So we end up with this, uh, this persistent uh, pursuer-distancer dynamic, yeah? the cat and mouse dynamic, which is very, very common in a lot of relationships. I see it a lot in the couples that I work with. Is, is that one of the parties being the, the anxious ambivalent and being the chaser and the other partner, the anxious avoidant, distancing, distancing uh, and, and trying to get away from what feels like uh, overbearing, overwhelming um, neediness from the other person. And that is like kryptonite. To the uh, to the anxious avoidant, it, uh, I know this one very much. This is my this is my um, uh, I guess my attachment style that doesn't necessarily play a part in my life very often these days, but earlier on it did. Yeah, so I've learnt to understand it. I learnt to recognise when it comes up for me, what situations it comes up for me, and and I've learnt to understand that part of myself a little more. And so of course. What what I think it's important for us all to, to understand with that is um, just because we have had these experiences as children, as young people, and we've been uh, we, we've been subjected to these experiences and therefore created uh, had our attachment systems um, uh, adapt to certain ways of living, certain ways of behaving in relationship, and certain ways of getting our needs met. Um, and if they're uh, counterproductive, if they're um, they're not so not working for us so much, then we can change them. We can we can work with them in order to change our reactivities to understand what's happening to us in that moment. Well, let's go into that in a little more detail a little bit later on. So if you're a bit of a yes person. Yeah, if you're the one that puts the other people's needs um, above your own and tries to make everybody else uh, okay and avoids conflict, doesn't want, um, is afraid and anxious about somebody taking away love, someone distancing. If you get extremely triggered when you're in an argument with your partner and they shut down and distance or walk away, that is a great sign that you're the anxious, ambivalent uh, attachment style in this, in this particular relationship dynamic. Um, 
and so it's like good to good to understand that it's good to understand ah there's a part of me that really needs connection that needs to know that connection is uh, is close to me is on hand that love is there and so i can depend on that i can rely on it and i don't need to be in this hyper vigilant anxious state um and if i am often in that hyper vigilant anxious state then maybe something i can do in order to help myself there's something you as my partner can do to help me to support me and maybe the relationship dynamic in itself might not be working for me it might be something that i need to address uh in that bigger context in that bigger style if you're uh somebody who regularly um avoids intimacy and closeness and connection and feels like that's uh smothering that that's too difficult to be with if there's a a part of you that overly criticizes the other people in the world uh and particularly your partners and your the people you're in relationship with um that can be a way of making them distant yeah making them uh responsible for your needs to 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 create that level of distance and avoidance um it's another way of yeah like keeping ourselves separate uh if i can project all of the badness out into the world around me um then that keeps me safe to some degree yeah and and i think that's really important to 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 zero in on that what i just said there all of these mechanisms are there in order to keep us safe this is a a small part of us if you if you think about yes you know we're grown-ups we're adults in the world we're doing our work we're living our life we're paying our mortgages all of these things we're adulting pretty well for most parts of our life but there's this this part of our life that maybe we turn into a little child and we regress back to 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 being an infant who really needs to get love who really needs to feel safe in in connection and this is exactly what happens it's like this when we've had our early childhood childhood experiences it's like we've been stamped in that moment whether we were 2 months old or 3 years old or 5 years old or even in utero yeah these it's like a stamp has been stamped on our nervous system our neurology our body all of these aspects of our human being and then of course our psychology because we cre- then create understandings and beliefs and and uh uh operating systems in our psychology that give us uh the lens in which we see the world this gets stamped on our nervous system at that young age let's say i'm 2 years of age and so whenever i feel like a, an experience that reminds me of that potential abandonment let's say if i'm an anxious ambivalent if that abandonment starts to get a little close and something feels familiar in that my nervous system gets activated my attachment system ring starts ringing the alarm bells in my in my brain my nervous system is going to get activated i'm going to re- i literally regress back to that 2 year old child that needed their needs being met i may be in an adult body but i'm a little boy or a little girl in that moment and i'm really desperately trying to keep myself safe and so we need to understand that we need to recognize that and not belittle it not suppress it not shame each other for it or ourselves but to understand it 
and and I think this is the important thing is understanding having compassion for these parts of us doesn't mean that we we pander to them that we let uh, we excuse bad behavior yeah it's really important that we as adults in the in in life take responsibility for ourselves for our emotional state for these little parts of ourselves that do hijack the whole system when they're feeling in threat yeah but sometimes we just don't have the capacity to take responsibility for ourselves because because we've got a two-year-old in the driving seat of our life making decisions for us because we've been hijacked and so we need each other and this is where we want to move away from codependence and away from independence in order to create an interdependent relationship where we recognize you know what I do much better in life if I have you as my support person not because I need you, but because I, I do better and I want you to be there. I want, and part of you being there is actually recognizing when I'm in that triggered state, when I've been hijacked by my two-year-old who just needs love and affection. And then you can, because you love me, because you care for me, um, because you support my growth, you can help me regulate that part of myself. And this is what we call co-regulation. So as we, as loving human beings that care for each other and want the best for each other, we help each other regulate our nervous system. So of course we need to, we need to be self-reliant and, 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 and take responsibility for ourselves. We want to get to that place, but sometimes, like I was saying, we just don't do that very well when we're in the really triggered states. So this is why we want to co-regulate. Co-regulation helps those young parts of us become better at, uh, at self-regulating, yeah? So, and this is exactly what we needed in those early years as being a child. We needed the, our parents, our caregivers, to give us that ability uh, to understand ourselves so we can then learn to self-regulate. We need connection, we need closeness and touch and to give our nervous system chance to to slow, to settle down, to regulate, yeah? So we can do that for and with each other. So sometimes all that's necessary is touch, is a hug, taking a deep breath with each other, and maybe doing that a few times, just not speaking, not saying anything, Maybe there's a word or two words that we can say to help uh, help us understand that we're okay. You know, you're safe. I've got you. Yeah, they're great words to hear when you're in that triggered state. Um, and then just taking a few breaths together. It's a beautiful way of just easing the nervous system, letting everything settle. And what we're doing, we're take we're we're flipping out of that regressed two-year-old part of ourselves. Um, or whatever age it is, and we're giving, we're opening up and act, reactivating the prefrontal cortex. We're getting beautiful blood through the entire brain. We're not locked in our reptilian brain. And so then we're able to think rationally. We're able to problem solve. We're able to take in multiple perspectives and we're able to like go, ah, you know what? 
I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Or, you know what, I'm sorry, I got really triggered in that moment. Thank you for taking care of me. Thank you for helping me get to this place where I can now be the adult that I am. Yeah, does that make sense? It's a really beautiful uh, way of just being, being in relationship, being loving to each other. We all have these parts of us that we regress back to. Uh, it's really important to recognize that. And importantly to understand also, often we're both going to be in that triggered state, yeah? We're both going to be two kids that have regressed back to these little children that are desperately trying to keep themselves safe and we see each other as the enemy, as the person that is attacking us, as the person who is potentially unsafe. Yeah, so it's difficult in that moment when we're wanting to defend and or attack to, to for one of us to get to that place where it's like, okay, enough. We're not doing well here. We need to stop this, um, which is why it's super important with practice, with, you know, learning, with setting up some prior arrangements and agreements around how we deal with these situations when before we get to that triggered state is you know agree that we have a symbol you know time out and when we when we're just bickering we're in that triggered state we are children uh call the time out and we both take half an hour whatever we need depart go our separate ways regulate ourselves. maybe if we're able we can then come back to connection and and have a hug breathe together do the co-regulation whatever order we can do them in it's very dependent on upon upon the the situation at the time and and where you're at you know it's it, we can't be forcing each other to co-regulate doesn't work that way <laughs> now i haven't talked much about the anxious disorganized uh, attachment style because it, it like i said it is more more rare but it's still very prevalent in the world and and often this comes about uh from particularly uh uh traumatic experiences in in early childhood when when there's been neglect and abuse and things like that that have been present in, in early childhood. Um, so when our safety has really been uh, very um, unknown and, and, and rare to feel that we can actually relax in a pl place of safety and those, be those human beings that should be keeping us safe uh, actually feel like they have the, the ability and the capacity and we can trust that. So the anxious, um, disorganized uh, is going to be somebody who, who can be quite erratic in those emotional states and quite, um, you know, one minute they're, they're grasping and they're needy, the next minute they're pushing away. There's, there's a lot of confusion in, in attachment needs trying to be met and, and it's, it's very intense, very erratic um, and it's difficult to, to get anywhere in that, to get them to, to come down to a regulated state of emotion. This is a bit harder to work with and it often is gonna need a little bit of professional support in this. And of course, you can definitely, it's, it's very useful to get professional support in any of these uh, attachment style um, challenges, let's say. Um, so 
I think it's important to 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 understand that. Yeah, we we can't do it all on our own. Sometimes, sometimes it's good to have somebody on hand, someone we trust, someone we feel good with, um, and, and to get that to get that level of uh, support from a third person. Very very useful. Another thing I want to mention is. You know, when we start to look at our attachment styles and, and, you know, maybe we do an online quiz and we find out, okay, we're, we're securely attached or we're anxiously ambivalently attached. Um, these are just words that we use, yeah? It's not an identity. It's not uh, something that I, you know, yeah, something I see people doing um, a little bit these days is sort of ah I'm I'm avoidant or I'm ambivalent or I'm anxious whatever it is um, or I'm secure you know using that as a badge of honor uh, these let's not identify with them they're just words that we use to describe uh, certain behaviors and certain uh, um, uh, certain traits yeah and these are so they're useful but they're not identities that you need to attach to, yeah? If you've got a part of you, like I was describing about myself, you know, I know that due to some of my early childhood experiences, I created an avoidant attachment style in order to just get my needs met, to take care of myself. And that's definitely shown up in relationships as I've grown up and as I've been an adult. And, and now I understand it. I've got a handle on it. I recognize it. And does it mean it doesn't crop up anymore? No, it does. Sometimes it'll rear its face again. And it's like, oh, hello, I know you. Um, but it's rare. It's rare today. Um, so what I mean is what it's important to understand is, yes, it's very useful information to know about ourselves, to understand so we can have some compassion and, and, and we can relate to that part of us that feels that way. And so we can then recognize how these behaviors, how these traits show up in relationship and go, ah, this is what happens. This is what I do in this scenario. This is what I do when you speak to me that way. So I can understand it, I can see it, then I can do something with it, yeah? Then I can start to change it. I don't just go, no, I'm anxiously avoidant, so therefore it excuses me to walk out on every argument that we have. That's just uh, a bypass, yeah? That's just laziness, <laughs> and that's not good relationship, yeah? We, we it's, yes, absolutely, understand your, your traits and your behaviors, know where they come from, it's good, it's good and useful, um, but don't use it as an excuse for poor behavior. Yeah, it's really, really important. And don't use it as an excuse to, to, uh, to, to prevent growth. Yeah, um, we can do the work in order to grow f from these places to make them less uh, prevalent. The knowledge and the awareness that we gain from, from having a, doing the self-inquiry, having a look at ourselves in the mirror um, gives us power, gives us a sense of control to, the, to which we can make changes, make, you know, choose to make changes, yeah? Really important. And of course, so, so important, just have some compassion for each other. Give each other a break. If we notice and we recognize that certain behaviors 
are going to trigger our partners, maybe it's a good idea to adjust your behavior, yeah? And this isn't about pandering, it's not about walking on eggshells, it's not about, you know, wrapping each other in cotton wool. We don't want to do that, that's not useful. Um, but it's about being good people, it's about being kind, it's about being loving, it's about being compassionate and understanding. It's about being a bloody grown-up, <laughs> yeah? Let's, let's relate as grown-ups and not as children. Um, it's really, really, it's so much better, <laughs> believe me. And like I said, we're all on a, on a journey here. We're all learning, we're all growing, we're all working all of this out. And you know, that's an ongoing pro process and it, we're always gonna be a work in progress. So let's give each other permission to get it wrong, to fuck it up. And, and, to, and then the important thing is, how do we repair? How do we come back to connection? How do we take ownership and responsibility for the, for the ways we've fucked up? And, and also uh, give each other the, 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 give each other a second chance or a third chance or whatever chance we need, yeah? Okay, I will leave it there. Any questions, comments, concerns, feedback, please pop it in the, in the comments below. I'd really love to hear from you. Um, if this has been useful to you, uh, please let me know, like it, share it with your friends who you think would find it useful, your partners, your loved ones, your mum, your dad, your brother, your sister, whoever, you know, share it, Put, just click that little share button down there that, is, that gives you the ability to share it with other people, really useful button, yeah? And of course, if you haven't already, click the subscribe, the notification bell. Okay guys, I'll leave you there with that. Uh, much love, take care with, uh, with yourself and with each other and keep loving.